space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And hosting this is Dr. Squee on his clever streaming platform. What are we on? We're on Twitch. StreamYard. StreamYard. Uh, well, we, we, we're from StreamYard. We're going out to Twitch and to Facebook on the Retrek page. Uh, my, I think it's my own page. Clever oh, stuff. Yeah, I'll get a notification any second now that you're live. <laughs> yeah. We'll watch yourselves. Yeah, in case I didn't know. We'll artificially inflate the, the viewing figures so that we can can feel good. Um, yeah, so we're back to talk about Star Trek Discovery again. Uh, we're up to episode six now, so it's flying this season. It really is. Unlike it, uh, we've lost one of the theories as well. We've lost Ian's theory about the burn from last week. What was my theory again? That it's because of Trump's tweets. <laughs> uh, Twitter have announced that as soon as he's out of the White House, they're cancelling his account. So it can't be down to Trump's tweets anymore. Ah, that's it. Unless they know something that we don't. <laughs> Who knows? But Yeah, I didn't say which Trump. That's true. <laughs> could, be, could be Don Jr. Mind, he's not in a good yeah. way at the minute, is he? Just... Thoughts and prayers going out yeah. to, to Donald Jr. Don't wish any bad on anyone. No. No, no. I, I would like to say this very clearly. I did get some enjoyment. I can't... I'm just not going to lie to you, people. I got some enjoyment when I heard this form foul of something which denied the existence of. Mm-hmm. But I don't wish him to be under any serious... I want him to get better. Can't lie that I did giggle. No, you, not, you've not, got... Yeah. I thought the, his health might be in serious... Just, yeah. You've got to enjoy the irony, you know, without wishing anyone <laughs> any harm. Um, so, episode six then, Scavengers, which always reminds me of, do you remember that really, really terrible Saturday, early Saturday evening game show in the UK called Scavengers? And it was a knockoff of Gladiators, but it was set on a spaceship and it had John Leslie off Blue Peter. Yes. And he'd take him into this spaceship and he'd go, hey, you got to find all these bolts. There's a big tin of spanners doing there and you got to find these bolts. And he'd go, scavenger, scram. And they'd have to go in. And then <laughs> just before the adverts, every time this big alien had come out and go, yeah. But the, the aliens never played a part in it. They were just, there was some geezer in makeup. Anyway, Scavengers <laughs> always makes me think of that, which I'm probably the only person who does. I'm probably the only person who remembers Scavengers. I can't remember it. No, no, I remember it now you say it. I do. Yeah. yeah. I've forgotten it. Well, you're lucky if you don't remember Scavengers. <laughs> anyway, this is directed by Douglas Arniokowski. Um, who did quite a few, actually. Did, um, in Discovery, did Through the Valley of Shadows, did Sound of Thunder, in, uh, did Leafy in Season 1, and in Picard, did Nepenthe, which I think most people agreed was the best episode of the season. Yeah. So, good director pedigree. And the writer, first time doing a... She's been, um, like, a story editor or a co-exec producer or something on Discovery since the beginning. First solo writing credit. But 
she's called Anne Coffell Saunders, and her writing credits include Smallville, Chuck, The Boys, Battlestar Galactica, and 24. So That's a good pedigree. Very, very good pedigree. <laughs> great, great pedigree. I... I won't say I saw all the pedigree on the screen in this episode, <laughs> well, we'll I see. must admit, but... I, I'm quite warm on this episode, but we'll we'll get into that. I quite well. I quite like this episode. Yeah, I think there's okay. there's some really interesting stuff going on, which we, we will get into. So let's, let's start As off As always, I'm prepared to be on my own time. <laughs> That's fine. We might yay, swear you. <laughs> I think this episode addresses some serious issues that that we've been having and that the show in general's been having and I think it does so in some really interesting ways but we'll we'll get through it so starting off then we've got we talked about will they retrofit the discovery and they do they all out retrofit the discovery at the start am am I allowed to just a very quick time to that I, I just want to mention it and then we'll move on have you come to know the Bo Selector version of uh, Craig Davis? Because with the headphones <laughs> stretched out. Not intentionally, but I will... I, I, I don't think he's got a moustache, like, but for some reason that makes it look He's awesome. got the little goatee, hasn't he? If I grew a little bit yeah. across there. Yeah, Bo Selector, Craig David. Um, I'm not sure that that's acceptable these days. I'm not sure it was acceptable back then, but... Um... <laughs> Yeah, I'll yeah, get... but you you haven't got him. You haven't got him in face or black. No, I've not. I'll get a little kestrel. Like, come on, Arkes, Arkes, Arkes. You bastard! Sorry, I had to just say it, and now we can. Yeah, no, that's cool. Say. That's that's the look I was going for. Oh no! Redesign re, uh, of discovery. Sorry, go. Yeah, redesign of discovery. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they don't have retrofit the ship. Um, yeah, a lot of it was. Um, it's the first opportunity they've had to really do any redesign and the graphic designers really wanted to. Yeah. Because the previous design, because of its colour and the shading on it, was actually very difficult to do some of the sh- shots that they've wanted to do. That's why we get a lot of distance shots and yeah. not the close-ups that we've all wanted. Yeah. It's because of how it was signed. Because it's so Which of... is... Well, it's all down to Brian Fuller. Yeah. Before he left, he went, oh, I want the ship to be copper. Which, why? Because that's not typical Starfleet. I want a spinning saucer, and I love Halloween, so it's 10.31. The spinning saucer's cool. What? Is 10.31 the time that will happen? It's the 30, 31st of October. But in American uh, It's because it's American, they do it reverse, don't they? No, I mean, let me just, like, I obviously Elliot had to speak about the ship first. I wasn't going to try and do <laughs> about them, Thunder, but now you have. I, I like the redesign, and I can't wait until to see how Eagle Moss makes the Duna Cells flight interesting. Oh, but, people uh, have been <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> okay, but for me, I I love this. We get design, and this is one of my biggest uh, issues with this episode is we see so much awesome stuff happens to the ship, which we then don't see going anywhere. Like, yeah. you get, like, what we're, we're waiting for, which is what they can do with the ship, what, like, weird, cool, futuristic stuff. We see it, and we don't see it. You've even got the setup of, like, them preparing for a mission. And I get they want to tell this story with Burnham, but why not have them saying, oh, well, that's happening a bit, but as soon as the refit's finished, you better be ready for action. And then we don't see that glorious refit early. Just yeah. teased about it. I just well, think you've just said the magic word there. This episode with Discovery was a tease. 
Yeah, but not a satisfying tease. Not like, <laughs> it's not like I'm sorry, I'm gonna get a bit graphic here some months, but it's not like they're working your balls to get excited. They're just like going like, Oh, we're gonna No, we're not. Just that's less exciting. Yeah, I mean it it is going to come, but but yes, when in the pre-credit sequence you've got the little robots flying about, and oh, we've detached the nacelles, and we've got the programmable matter, and we've changed the colour, and it, it just all looks so um, much cooler. And it's the next, the next different, next different, where the neck goes onto the saucer is being lowered. Yeah, um, the vaulted. The bottom of it, it's not, it's not got this bulky part hanging down anymore. It's more streamlined. The deflector dish is changed. The nacelles are changed. There's on the spinning saucer. There's less little struts. It's just sort of held by one thing now. Um, so, but yeah, to not then do something yeah. with it is frustrating. <laughs> I get that, but also. We are going to see that, just not this week. Yeah, but, but, but yes, I, I feel like most of Discovery throughout all series, actually, uh, this one especially, I've been going like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that, and that's really exciting. I actually appreciate that. Uh, I always, in hindsight, appreciate Discovery doesn't give me what I think I want; it gives me what I don't know, on, and it builds up a mission, and I always feel satisfied later on. But usually by the end of the episode, I'm I'm still asking those questions like, oh, do I like it, don't like it? And it usually ends up in the yes column. Yeah. By the end of this episode, I was just like, why the fuck didn't I see that go in space? Why the fuck did I have to spend so long on a wasp being rescued and, and them inevitably... Like, I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to jump in. Them doing what we all said they should have just placed. Like, I, I didn't care about that mission. I didn't care about... Um, sorry again I don't want to preempt but like I didn't care about Burns promotion to then lose it like it just it, it just seemed like going through the motions for those things it was like all the worst plot lines of this I didn't care about rolled into one and ignoring the things we really wanted to see yeah. <laughs> and, I mean I can I can absolutely see that point of view and I do think that's been an issue these last two episodes is that the B plot has been the really meaty stuff that I've wanted to get into, which is Starfleet debriefing them and upgrading the ship. And that's the stuff I really want to know about. And then the A plot has been these away missions that are okay in and of themselves, but they're nothing... But they should have been the B plots and... Yeah. It should have been switched on its head. That's I'd have been happy with that, but... I, it, it hasn't annoyed me as much as it's annoyed you, Squee, obviously. <laughs> but um, but yes, I, I can totally understand that. Okay, so let's... This has been... Debated. How do we all feel about the uh, change of registry? That's what I was just going to say. I'm okay <laughs> with it. I now, think... When I first saw it, I was really, really angry about this. Because it's a refit. It's not a new ship. Mm-hmm. And when they refitted the Enterprise... It said as 1701, and we didn't get on 1701A until the end of Star Trek Four, and then into Star Trek Five. Yeah. So I was quite annoyed at this, and then I thought about it a lot. And I think what it is, is because it's been recorded as destroyed, yeah. they've had to re... They've sort of brought the registry back into the records, and that's why they've added the year. That's, you know, my, I- only, that's my only feeling or theory of why it's an A instead of just keeping the same registry. Because I, I really love it even more now, you say, Elliot. Thank you, because I love a bit of good head. I, I've got no problem with good head if it's good. <laughs> yeah. No, it's and... a really good bit of head And I think for me, it's the fact that it's the idea like that, that it's so different, though. It, you can talk about any other refit in history 
but they have got it 900 years worth in the future worth of tech. There's probably more new parts than there are old parts. So it's such a unique situation, even without Elliot's wonderful explanation, including into my <laughs> my plot flange in my head. Of, uh, even without that, I think they changed about it. It's, it's justified that's because it's so different. Yeah, those were the two things I thought were, were the reason for it. And the, the idea that, yeah, Discovery was registered as destroyed. So... If they openly acknowledge that this is the previous discovery refitted, they're acknowledging that effectively they're harboring criminals because of the the um, the, out, the fallout of the temporal accords and the time wars. So yeah, I think that's why it's got the air, and I think the writers are aware of this. Like a lot of people are saying, "Oh well, you know, it's just bad writing," and the thing is. It, it's not, because the writers are aware of it, because they had that call out to the Voyager J last episode, and they pointedly said it's the 11th iteration of the Voyager, yeah. so they, it's not that they've forgotten how it works in the Star Trek universe, it's been done for a reason. The issue, though, potentially, is that the discovery that we see in Calypso is clearly the pre-refit design and it doesn't have the A so this skewers our, our theories yeah, on I think, well, I think when they get to explaining Calypso which I really hope at some point they do fit Calypso into yeah. the story because otherwise it's like well what was the point of it it makes no sense I think they'll just retcon how the ship looks Maybe. Maybe it'll be that, mm-hmm. or maybe there'll be some other explanation, but we'll have to leave yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think it'll just that. be one of those where they'll retcon it, and they won't say anything, and it'll just be the... That, yeah. There's a discovery. I think there's been so many different changes, because I think Calypso was meant to get resolved in this, probably, and where there's been a bit more time, I think... They they've evolved the rank and they didn't want to get up by a short trip. I'm sorry, I don't. No, I, I, I absolutely. Want to justify. But I think that's it. I think yeah. that's it. I think if they do get around to justifying, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. I want them to, but I kind of understand if they don't because you know they don't want it. Again, they 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 probably realised they made a mistake in doing something which them to a plot line. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. Like, if Calypso just stays a mystery forever, I'm happy with that. And you can build your own scenario of how it happened and what have you. But we'll see. They might pull something out of the bag and we'll be like, wow, that was that was really clever. Um, so, yeah, we've got the ship. We get the upgraded, the com badges, uh, which do everything, which is yeah, pretty awesome. transport, yeah. uh, now, that now was... I I found this really worrying with the personal transport because we have uh, Linus, is it? Yeah, going round the ship, and he's going to the wrong places. So I'm not sure how this works. That it, you, how you tell it where you want to go. So if he's just pressing it and appearing anywhere, isn't there a risk that he might appear outside the ship? There's going to be safeties on there. That's where you got to see. Yeah, and... yeah. I mean, the thing that um, not worries me, but I'm interested to see how they deal with it going forward, is having a transporter as an amazing bit of technology is great, but there's always been rules. It's you've got to have a transporter pad, you've got to have this, you've got to have that. Whereas if everyone's (coughs) just running around and they've got a personal transporter on them, what's going to happen in these episodes where they're in a tight spot and... 
you know, there's going to be none of this, we can't call the ship for beam out or anything. It's just, oh, boop, boop, I'm off. And so they're going to have to do a lot of sort of writing gymnastics to explain why we can't use the personal transporters in this particular place. And yeah, it, but like whenever you forward on... Oh, sorry. sorry you no, go ahead. ahead. No, no, I just... Um, I think whenever they've done stuff, this does seem like not just the natural like, forward of the technology, but almost like stuff we never would have thought of. And that's why I appreciate Like, yeah, you're right. Sometimes you're going to have to be clever with the writing to give them more challenges. But whenever they've done this, like when you had the cars as badges and communicators, yeah. made stuff easier. When Whenever transporters didn't need to, could do site-to-site ports. Like, yeah. It seems like, uh, yeah, again, a sort of natural progression, but something unexpected. So I kind of... I kind of Oh, I like them. And I think yeah. they're a great idea and they make sense. I just, I think if I were a writer, I'd be like, I really wish you hadn't made them bloody things because it's going to be really difficult now to think of a a way to... No, but dampening then, fields, yeah. the strange radiation that affects the transport. That's true. Uh, there's, <laughs> uh, like, I like think there's plenty of things that they can do, and uh, we've seen within the Star Trek universe yeah. in the past, that affect transports that they can just go, oh, this planet's giving off this radiation yeah. or this magnetic field from the planet. I'm sure they field, will. So you I can't mean, use it. To use it's, like, re- it's like cell phones or mobile phones. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. In horror movies, yeah. Like, it just, it just forces the writers to be a bit more. Yeah. Better. It's good. So the plot kicks off then, really, with the return of Grudge the Cat. And, yeah, so Buck's gone off and he's found a black box that's related to the burn. And... I like Michael's little explanation of it in a theory that she's been checking the timestamps on the uh, the black boxes and it didn't all happen at once, so she's trying to use all the yeah, timestamps. Yeah, there's a microsecond difference. So she's going to triangulate it to try and find a, a point of origin of the burn, which I, I quite like that because it's... she's been saying I've been spending a year studying the burn and she's there with the big charts and everything but now we're actually seeing okay this is you have actually been doing something and you've actually been delving into it and it's not just this nebulous I've been studying it so that to me makes a lot of sense and I can see where they're going to go with this and it'd be quite presumably they will trace it back to whoever caused it, and I'm sure we can speculate on that as well. But So I quite like that motivation, and it does set up the plot of the episode nicely because it's not unreasonable for her to say... I mean, obviously, it's because she really wants to go rescue Buck. She's not kidding anyone, least of all Giorgio, with that. But it gives a reason why the mission could be a viable mission, you know, because it's this, this black box thing, and... I think the Saru rightly says no because we've got orders. Otherwise, and- now what's annoying here is last week we saw Burnham. She was given an order. No, you can't go. On, you're not allowed on this mission. You're doing this. We're we're going to go on it. It will. And she came up with an excuse, and she was able to reason why it was Discovery and Discovery's crew that went on the mission. Yet this week. Saru's gone, no, you can't go. So the first thing she decides to do is, oh, well, I'll go off anyway. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm fine. I know they're doing this whole thing of like, oh, I've been gone a year. I've been again. But um, 
everything that they've ever told her about is being about Starfleet. Mm. Now you're just saying she just doesn't give a shit. She doesn't give a shit about the rules. I'm sorry, but that this is what really annoys me. It just it's we've been there with the whole idea was she was when this happened before. Saru even puts a button on it. Like surely you would you more than anyone would understand because of what he's done before and just. I'm sorry, yeah. again, I know they want to get this mystery to the character who's been gone a year when they haven't, but... Now, she was brought up a Vulcan. She, she's been st- all Starfleet. She's learned a lesson. So it just doesn't seem like it should be in character for her to go and do exactly the same thing again. See, I'm... I am... I think this works much better for me because I think... We have nope. been planting the seeds of it and this insubordination that she's doing, but now it's it's coming to a head. And if I may draw a weird comparison here, but I want to take us into the world of professional wrestling briefly. So big spoiler alert for anyone. Professional wrestling has predetermined outcomes to the matches. Never. Wait yes. a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Again? Spoiler alert, yes, the professional wrestling has predetermined outcomes to the matches. It is not a true sporting competition, though the people are incredibly athletic. Now, something that happens within professional wrestling is they usually have a goodie and a baddie. The goodies are called faces, or baby faces, and the baddies are called heels. And the expected response is that the crowd will cheer for the faces and boo for the heels. Sometimes, though, this doesn't happen. And a recent example of this is the main guy at the minute in WWE is called Roman Reigns, but everybody hates him. But the program presents him as the ultimate good guy, or at least it did until recently. But he comes out and everybody boos. But the commentators go, oh, the crowd love Roman Reigns. And they sell his t-shirts. And they, and the way they craft his storylines are always to try and make him look like the hero. But there's this huge disconnect because the crowd is not reacting like that. So what they've done recently is they've turned Roman Reigns heel. They've made him into a baddie. So now he walks out and the crowd boos and the writers can sit back happily and go, well, they're supposed to boo him because he's the bad guy. And this has worked and it's rehabilitated a character, which I kind of think is what we're doing with Michael here. I think the writers are addressing the frustrations that a lot of viewers have had with her by making her now do things that we, the audience, judge to be wrong. But the difference is, within the narrative, we're now acknowledging that these things are wrong. Whereas when she's gone a bit rogue in the past, and when she's gone off on one, when it's been all about her, the show has always presented it as, Michael's in the right, Michael's doing the right thing. And it's, for a certain section of the audience, it's built up this huge amount of frustration, whereas now they've switched it and gone, well, you're supposed to be frustrated with her. That's fine. You you meant to be against her in this decision. And I think that's a really clever way of deconstructing the character and (coughs) reframing her place within this story is to go, yeah, she's off on another one of her missions. And I groaned when she was like, oh, Georgia, will you come help me? I just thought, for goodness sake. And I thought the whole thing was going to be Michael's going to sneak back and she's going to get back in time and Saru will never know she's gone and Tilly will cover for her. And they subvert that time and time again in this episode. And obviously it finishes 
with a getting a dressing down and demotion. And I think it makes her a much more interesting character that we're acknowledging these flaws and we're dealing with them. So I, I'm on board with this. I think it's really good. So who do we think scored to be the new first officer? Well, can I? And, and do we think, because the entire show's premise when it was launched is the stories told from the eyes of the first officer, if, are we going to get a new first officer and a change of perspective of who it is? No, I, I think the whole idea is that this from Burnham, not from the first officer, can to be the first officer. And just, just to quickly address James' comments there, just to me, I mean, wonderfully thought out, and I appreciate it. Um, just for me, it's the fact that at the end of it, she isn't even sorry. Like, she clearly, like, it's not like she learned a lesson from got any better or grew as a character. She's like, no fair play, Saru. And it felt to me as if she was given the promotion to lose the promotion, not for any other reason. And it cheated from the last episode. The whole last episode, I felt was the idea was she was made come to terms with becoming the first officer. I, I thought that was the point. And just, I know subverting it can just cool and everything, but just, it I just felt so unsatisfying to give something just to take it away. No, yeah. I think there's more to it. I think this story of her journey is discovering that even after everything she's been through and she did the mutiny and then she got back in the good graces and she's had this mysterious year that's changed her. But I think the story being told here is of a fundamentally good person who believes in the values of Starfleet and the Federation, but is realising that the person she is right now doesn't fit within that machine anymore. And I think we're going to explore how do you be a good person in the Star Trek universe, but not being Starfleet. And I think that's where where we're getting to. And I, I do find that legitimately interesting and I do have a big theory as to how all this is going to pan out um yeah you know what I'm going to drop the theory and we'll see we'll see how we go so Star Trek Discovery has been renewed for season four I I think that is true you know I'm not one of these conspiracy people However, yeah, it's been renewed. we have seen Wilson Cruz tweet about it. We've seen Doug Jones tweet about it. We've seen pictures of Doug Jones getting put into makeup. I've not seen anything of Sonequa Martin-Green. And I wouldn't be surprised if the culmination of the arc of this season is the departure of Michael as the lead of Star Trek Discovery and that that will pass on to Saru. Saru will be the main character. And I mean, my current working theory is that they're going to find out what caused the burn. Michael's going to go back in time to prevent it. Discovery will remain where it is and time will change around Discovery. So Discovery will remain within the 32nd century as the new souped-up ship and everything. But the burn will be fixed and the Federation will be back to normal and Michael will have figuratively died because she's gone back to the past to fix this thing. I'm not sure how all that will work, but... I've I just kind of got this feeling that that's, that's going to be where it's going. And Sonequa's also recently had a child, so maybe she wants some time off acting. I could be completely and utterly wrong. But I think this year is uniquely positioned to get away with something like this. Because we've 
We've talked about it before, how you can't get away with writing a major character out of a show because their agents have to be aware of their availability and they get signed up to other shows. I mean, going back to Sonequa Martin-Green, the reason you knew her character was going to die in The Walking Dead is because it was announced she was the lead in Star Trek Discovery. So it wasn't difficult to put two and two together. However, with COVID and everything, actors are not working as much as they do. The filming schedule of American TV is not anywhere near in the swing that it would be normally. So I think it's conceivable that if Sonequa Martin-Green is departing this show, she could get away with it this year without it leaking ahead of time. And I, I may be totally wrong, but I feel like we're building up to the end of Michael Burnham's character arc. But that's just my theory. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good theory. I, I don't know. Like, I, I never even thought of that. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to sneak you feel. Yeah. Well, that goes what I just said. A new, like, a new first officer, you only have from a different person's perspective. I didn't think that they'd kill her, but... <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think they'll kill her. Like, I think the door will be like, open. I think it. Like I. I think it's going to be very difficult if she's bumped down. She's no longer first officer. All she will do is her science officer duties on the ship. How is she going to go off on all these different missions and all well, that? That's stuff? it. I don't think she will because she. We're jumping ahead, but she takes the badge off at the end. I think that's her deciding, I don't fit in here anymore and I'm going to find my own way of doing the right thing. And I think her and Book's adventures will intersect with Discoveries, but I think she's just realised that I love this institution, I love Starfleet, but I no longer have a place within it. And I I think that's what's going on. But I could be totally wrong. I Uh, mean, one thing he did say, earlier in, in that was that uh, what what's it like to be a good guy outside fleet, which I've got my problem with it. We've seen Bajorans, which were mm-hmm. never part of the Federal for a long time, certainly, and loads of other other star, un-Starfleet kind of good guys, and that's fine, but I just for me, the whole point is to see it through the eyes of Starfleet. Like, that is what, that's the promise of the future, is Starfleet, is the Federation. Yeah. yeah. I don't particularly give a shit about her going for adventures outside Starfleet. I just don't. No, and this is... It just doesn't excite me. If my theory pans out, I think this season is going to see that transition, and I think yeah. Star Trek Discovery is going to continue with Saru as the captain and the supporting characters and everything. And You'll maybe get more of the supporting characters. Uh, yeah, and Michael's going to go... So to your point, Elliot, who's going to be the first officer, I mean, next in command is Fakarian, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I forget the character's name because she's had about four minutes of screen time. Uh, but the the nice blonde lady who is apparently original Arium, original Arium <laughs> is third in command. So um, maybe her. What I would like to see is Admiral Silver Daddy Bear to assign someone from the future as the first officer to go right. You you know this has not worked out, Saru. I give you the benefit of the doubt. That didn't work. Yeah. Here's my guy who's going to be, or girl, or non-binary. Well, here's my 
being who is going to be, firstly, they're going to be your first officer. Secondly, they're going to be your liaison to the future and bish, bash, bosh and brand new character. That's that's what I'd like to see. I, I think you've got to level that very carefully because uh, Admiral Silver Daddy Bear has already made it very clear that he appreciates the mission Saru's in. Mm. He kind of like, he gave Saru a dressing down, but he didn't take the command. I think if you say this person's your liaison, then that disempower Saru too mm, much. Probably. I, I do appreciate the fact that they've given Saru promotion. I'm glad they haven't walked that back. I think if you do put in a first officer from the future, that's a great idea. Brings us a new character, gives a sensible link why, like, I think they should at least assign some people in the future on this ship. Yeah. It's a leap of faith to say that people 900 years out of their own time are being allowed to run, run around on the ship, but, yeah. like, you do assign some crew who know this time. That just doesn't make sense to me that you don't. And it kind of fulfills that role that they've had in the last two series of captain of the series. Instead, you have a new first officer. That's the new life you yeah, kind of I'd be up inject for into it. So I think that would be really satisfying. I completely yeah, love that. Idea. I'd be up for that one. Um, so, yeah. So should we get on to Michael and her mission then? So Georgia obviously is awesome as usual, but we now know that sort of weird thing where she kind of zoomed out last week seems to be she's getting these flashes and it's flashes of the Terran universe and it's weird imagery and daggers and she seems to be it's screaming. someone that she's killed. Possibly. Like someone that she knows. Son. Yeah, she says yeah. son, doesn't she? So, hmm, interesting. I, I, I don't think... There's a lot more we can do with that at this stage. Yeah, it's... yeah. Well, well, she does say that it's like been happening for two weeks. Mm. So I think, again, this is something that Cronenberg has done to us. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. During that interview, Cronenberg has done something. And it's and it wouldn't surprise me if it has something to do with his glasses. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. It, it Like, she thought she was being really smart with his holograms, with the blinking and all that. And... We talked about this last week, and I wonder if he sort of deliberately had them programmed to sort of her timelines level of mm. what they could do to yeah. see if she could counter them. Yeah, it's testing. But while she's been doing that, doing that, he kept moving his glasses and all that. And I wonder if she's blinking at them, and if he's doing something to her at the same time. Yeah. I, I sort of don't need him to have purposely program the hologram she would do that I don't need that bit but the rest of I, I I love while she's doing the blinking he's doing blinking the zones for this I yeah. think that's genius I think that should be it. like uh, it, it makes yeah, sense it, that he would have had like effect. she's always like one step ahead of everyone isn't she and she knows yeah. what's going on and that this guy's sort of like 900 years in front of you he knows all the history he knows who you mm. are he knows exactly about you and he's, a, he's actually one step in front of you yeah yeah, I like that. And I, I, I think also the whole thing that you see, I love that point. I love the fact that she's happening. But I could do without the um, microphone and actually get your feelings out. Just I, oh, yeah, no, I, I, I just don't. Hmm. I'm okay with that because uh, I think Georgia. I think she's wonderful, but I think she is just constantly with the one-liners and the snack. And that's great in very small doses, but I think if they do intend to do this Section 31 show, which apparently they do, you need to find some more depth to her than that. 
And that's fine. It, so I think that's the trying to make inroads into that at this stage. And I also quite. Sorry, I no. wonder with the Section Thirty One show because we all all assume that it's going to be set in sort of season two, season one, season two timeline of mm. what Discovery was. And I wonder if it's going to be set in this new timeline we've got. Yeah, I think it is. Cronenberg's yeah. going to be a boss. He might not. So he, he's probably not going to be a season regular, but he's going to be a recurring character. Well, um, I need to give a shout out to my friend Jeremy, who does the Star Trek Wars podcast, who put out a tweet today. And it was um, his version of a poster for Section 31. And it was Giorgio with David Cronenberg there. And David Cronenberg's holding Baby Yoda, but it's got Jason Isaacs' head. And it was like, if this is the show, I'm down with it. And like, yep, I'm I'm there. (laughs) Giorgio, David Cronenberg and Baby Lorca. Yeah, I can can live with that. It's all gravy, but it's just like, I think... If it, if we get one scene, just one scene of Giorgio giving a heart to heart, sorry, but fuck off. I, do, I don't need that from her. We don't I, need I, it. I don't, I, I don't mind some emotional death and this stuff that she has to, that's fine, but just don't have it be through a heart out with Bernard. No. That it, is not who the character is. That would be selling out the character. I, I know it's Star Trek and I want it to be, but I don't mind her being alert because of who yeah, the Yeah, it is. needs to be it's done. Time. and It can't just be they have a cry on each other's shoulders and that makes it all oh. better. But I do like some of the dialogue, like where she's saying, you know, this isn't the Terran universe. A vulnerability is not a death Yeah, you're sentence. not going to get deposed and executed so for I, being I find, vulnerable. I find that interesting, the idea of this Terran exploring the fact that they can... In this universe, they can have these emotions and these vulnerabilities, and how does she deal with it? So I think there's some interesting stuff going on there. Plus, she has some absolute bangers of one-liners in this episode, like where she says, that cat can't get lost, it's got its own gravitational pull, which I think was (laughs) a a good poor grudge, but, um, you know. I like the fact that Tilly doesn't like cats, because I, I don't like cats, but also... It, Tilly's just been the nicest person to everything up until this point, and just to find a little chink in her armor that she doesn't like cats. <laughs> yeah. Now I think, I think Tilly was brilliant this episode. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, but she didn't cover for Michael because you expect yes. that Tilly's going to cover for her, and she didn't. She went. She told Saru, and she goes, "Look, we've got we in the future. If we don't tell them what's happened, they're not going to trust any of us." Yeah. Yeah, and, she was golden. And I, I know we can't make her first officer, obviously, but I think she should, so she should get Yeah, I... I she no, is an ensign. Harry Kim can't be the only one. True. She yes, would, he can. Yes, he really can. Tilly would it's be It's a Star Trek t- tradition. You've got your brilliant ensign that never gets promoted. Tilly would be my my pick for first officer, but I think it's jumping one to unless they, yeah. they then you go into the Kelvin. Yeah, exactly. If they take a quick trip to the Kelvin universe, they can promote her to first officer. But um, but she's definitely with the cat. Sorry, just just while we're on the cat. Is it just me, or did he just say, though, loads of stuff about him, her, the cat being difficult and you have to get to know her all that? Straight away, just the shoulder. Because oh, Tilly's lovely. Everyone loves Tilly, so... I know, even though she like, doesn't like the cat. setting up a cat as being gruff and rough, and then it's like... Yeah, true. Um, yeah, so... 
Yeah, the the whole um, Saru and Tilly thing, like, as I sort of alluded to earlier on, I was expecting he was going to go talk to her and she was going to cover for Michael and it was going to be this whole thing, like a Ferris Bueller thing, like, you know, oh, Michael's just in the other room. And that would have made Saru look like a complete idiot and I'm so glad they didn't do it cause, like, I just felt a knot of tension as that scene started and I was thinking, oh, God, this is the way they're going to go with it. And yeah, Tilly was Tilly did the yeah, right thing she did what absolutely. she should have done and she was a Starfleet officer yeah she wasn't covered and Burnham is being insubordinate yeah in a massive way and this is why I even love the fact that when she tried to be a little loyal like for the record I might have done the same and she wouldn't have yeah and, and that that's was, brilliant. that was the best part for me that was the loyalty but it bullshitting Saru yeah um, and Saru called her on it yeah yeah he's like I know you're better than that which is, yeah. it, it's pretty, see, again though, I, this goes back to what I was saying is, I do think this is incredibly deliberate, and I think the whole idea is that we're exploring th- what, that what Michael's doing is wrong, and it's textually being acknowledged, and I do think that's a shift in terms of the focus of the show, because we've always been encouraged before to accept that what Michael's doing is right, but we're being encouraged to challenge it in this episode, and I think that's great. Um, back on the planet, then. Uh, I think, I don't know if you guys have the same problem, but um, there's a bit where uh, there's the Bajoran guy, which, great to see the Bajorans again, uh, and they it looked like they were going to send him out of the compound or something, but my Netflix accidentally switched from Star Trek Discovery to The Running Man, and it was just a sequence from the beginning of The Running Man where the guy runs through a fence and his head blows up. So I, I don't know yeah. what actually happened in Star <laughs> Trek, but, uh, yeah, I just got a little a, a little scene out of The Running Man. To be fair, I think it was more uh, reminiscent of the first Resident Evil. <laughs> I've not seen it, thankfully. <laughs> where, where, they get, uh, where they're in the corridor and the lasers come in, in oh, the cross section and go bit. through him. Yeah. yeah, I think it was more reminiscent of that, what happened to it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm with James. Like, I just, this was a scene, this was one of the scenes particularly for me. Just just didn't feel within a mile of space. It just didn't. No, it, like, I know we've seen more blood and gore in this series, it's fine. But even within that, it felt pretty strict. This just felt like something else. It just didn't. I mean, the thing is, any. you can, if you're a big fan of The Running Man, you can do an homage to The Running Man, but this was like Gus Van Sant's psycho. It was like shot for shot, just the opening of The Running Man. They're in this big industrial thing, and you cut back and you get a reaction shot from the guys, then you see the guy running up. And it, honestly, the two were just the same thing in my head. Um, and also, the actual escape at the end was very Running Man. Um, the book ship was pretty cool, how... They came in and it all sort of morphed and moved round and the programmable matter's sort of turning into the sonic screwdriver of Star Trek, isn't it? It seems to be able to do yeah. anything. Um, yeah. But I liked a lot of that and, you know, it is just your standard jailbreak thing. I don't think there's a lot to this story. Um, though the Andorian guy, apparently that's Mary Wiseman's husband. Um, just uh-huh. as a just a bit of casting, apparently. Well, um, no, can I just bring up something about him? It's the bit where Book goes is like, you see those, you weren't those by doing the right thing. 
No, he lost them doing the right thing. Yes. Really insensitive. You earned that lack of thing there. It's like me having a lost arm. It's like, you earned that arm. Sick bastard, even there. Uh, yeah, no, I got the arm lopped yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. And the... Yeah, got- we found out in Enterprise, didn't we? Like, the will grow back, but <laughs> it affects all the balance and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, a major humiliation to the, to the Orions. And Orions. That guy was kind of just... Tricked by numbers, like you're setting him up. To, yeah, we yeah, like, but it, it didn't. No it, it didn't it die later. It, it, I, he, I didn't. Yeah. He got gravely injured later, but I think yeah. he's still alive. Oh, I just, I think, yeah, I yeah, he didn't have a red shirt on. No, fair play. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean that's pretty much it for that storyline. There's not. There's hints of this Osiris person who seems to be the big. Emerald chain bad guy, so maybe we'll Georgia will end up having a fight with them later on. We'll see. See again, if you're going to do this plotline, though, again, I don't think I would have liked this. Book, but for me, if you're going to do this, this would have been a prime to uh, them going up to there and him going like uh, you know maybe him sending them to like him understanding what the is and going like I agree about anything about it, but that black box. One of our people are there. Some lies are there. Why don't you go with the scene? Like you got. An hour until this, you can pick them up, be back. Like you know, yeah, why no. not have that be the moment you unveil them? You add a bit more action as opposed to the generic like prison break thing. Yeah. Where, well, let's face it; they could have done that break. Um, I'm sorry, I don't. Yeah, they could have done. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. They could have done any time. Book we've kind of been shown is a clever enough person to yeah. pull that off himself. No, you're right. Yeah, we we could have had a thing that once Saru tells Admiral Silver Daddy Bear, it's like right, go rescue her. Um, and yeah, we could have done that. That would that would have been much more interesting. And we'd have got to see. And we'd have got to see the discovery in action. Yeah, that's my you're point. right. You're right. That yeah. yes, that 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 would have been much better. Um, but again, I'm not as down on this. I don't think as you guys are. But anyway, um, so obviously we get the kiss now. This is coming out of a '90s rom com, like. Fair enough, they've had a kiss. Okay, I still find it hard to believe they haven't already, just because the their chemistry's yeah. off the chain. If I yeah, was... how many times has it been suggested they're in a very similar situation? Yeah, it's been the chips have been way down with this. If I yeah. was one of their partners, like the actors, I'd be like, right, I'm keeping an eye on you when you do scenes with them because there's something. Anyway, but they, they do the kiss, and then we get these. Awful sort of like fades, you know. It's this whirly swirly, and it fades out, and it fades in, and it's do do do, and it oh no, come on! Like I've I've no problem if if they want to get it on. Absolutely, I think it'll do them both good. And yeah, and let's be honest, I, I buy them as a why the hell haven't they for the last? Year? Absolutely, but I there's just nothing thought, which justifies why this has any been through. No, yes, it, yeah, it seems silly that they they haven't consummated the relationship until now. But but I just thought the way that kiss was filmed and directed and presented was awful. It was it was just so cheesy and it was like a soap opera or something. And I know they were trying to give it this big moment and everything, but just have them kiss and that's it. That's fine. You don't need to do this silly the way it does it. I, I was not a fan of that sequence. I found it quite cringeworthy, to be totally honest. Um, shall we talk about Stamets and Adira subplot in this episode? Straight up loved it. Yep. More yep. I'm down Not with it. Yep. Yep. 
and, made, and it made a lot of sense why he understood straight away. Yeah. It, it, I absolutely love The only thing I didn't really need to justify him going back to his hubby and like uh, them talking about why he needs care. We got it. Like, yeah, we, already, we did. We got it. It's already there. We yeah, don't need but to be fair, to I think it's probably because he is how he is normally that he's sort of letting his hubby know. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I, I sort of, I did, I made a friend today. Yeah. Which was, isn't yeah, something that he normally does. It's, it's it's almost like it needed explaining back to him. That I, I thought it was just a bit unnecessary. I, I get what you're saying. Like, I would have loved him to have gone, it's like, you know what? I made a friend today. You know, just that. that that's why I, I didn't need it to be as built up. Yeah, we... had to explain it back. And yeah, I'll take your you point. You see what we did here? I'd, I'd take your point. We didn't need it spelling out what's gone on because we just watched it go on. But um... Yeah, but then then you've got the that... This is sort of like... A, this is a couple... And they're talking about the day to each other oh, at the yeah. end of the day. Absolutely. So, so, and I think that's something that they've done really well with these. Like, you get so often gay couples on TV, and how they're portrayed is ridiculous, and all that. And these just seem like the two men they're in love, and it seems natural. Yeah, and no, they it's... seem like they've just got and the play. And I think I have no problem that he's gone back. Getting into bed with him and he's telling him what he's done through his day. Oh, yeah, yeah. That I don't have a problem with. They, they could be any couple. The way they're in the Star Trek is perfect. For that. Well, not that they could be any couple, but I mean, they could yeah. be a straight couple, a gay couple. They're just a great couple. That's what yeah. we need to know. Nothing to do with that. Them talking in bed, great. Like, but just, I, I almost felt like I was getting explained to you. Mm. That's the yeah. thing. I think you could have cut it down had it just been like, I made a new friend today. That's all I need. Yeah. So that's that. Nothing. Everything else is completely right. They're a wonderful couple, and I think Adira is absolutely delightful. And and her her part, I I really love the now, fact that um, she do, doesn't feel annoying at all. Like you know, she could be that annoying kid character. She's not. She just feels like a really clever character. Yeah, she could be Wesley Crusher Mac too, but so far at least she isn't. No, do, she isn't. Like she obviously is brilliant. Yeah, with stuff, but she isn't annoyingly brilliant with it. Do we think like Wesley was? Do we think that Grey is real, in inverted commas? Uh, uh, by that, I mean, is what Adir has seen, this representation of Grey, is it something that has its own agency um, and is independent of her, or is it some form of something that's going on with the Trill and it, is she projecting it? Do do we think it is grey in a sense, or that it is Adira's projection of grey? Because at first, when it showed him with her uh, playing the cello, I thought, right, okay, so this is this is grey's personality um, as a separate kind of entity, but she can see it because of the the way it's worked with the joining. Whereas now I'm like, mm, maybe this is just a manifestation of. Adira's memories think, and everything. I think we saw this a bit somewhat in DS9, didn't we, with Jadzia? Yeah. When she'd sort of see a, a past horse yeah. and all that. And that, to her, they are really there. Yeah. And but... they're, and they're to, and like, their man, the trill, the symbiont still has all their mannerisms and emotions and yeah. all their memories and how, and especially with these two knowing each other and being close. That that is still going on, and it's and it's very real. It isn't a just imagining him being there. It's actually real. To it is real. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm excited by the fact that I don't, but like to me, it could just be like, why not have it so that uh, when a trill joins with a human, which isn't something that's happened before, you get this different connection. You get yeah, this, yeah. like just a, a quirk of biology has meant she gets to experience her past lover as a person as a, as a memory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, yeah, yeah, it's not a memory, it's actually really there. Because I'm wondering. But only, only she can see him and, and communicate with him. I'm wondering. From within her. If that is the case, is Adira destined for more heartbreak? Is, is Grey in inverted commas going to move on at some point? His agenda at the minute seems to be, I want you to make friends and I want you to... You need to... to have new memories. Exactly. So I'm yeah. wondering if Grey, again in inverted commas, till we know what Grey is... Uh, is gonna disappear at some point, and that so effectively a deer is gonna lose him again, kind of thing. I don't know. I'm yeah. just speculating. I, I, would be I think with the be. I think with the trill, the keep up, the keep the hook, the previous source with them. Yeah, they do. Yeah, she's just she's just transform. very close with the source. Yeah, no, I, I get that, and the, there's a difference though between a memory and. A manifestation of another person, and I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm just, in, I like it. I like the story. I like the way it's been shown. I, I want to see how it pans out. But I mean, I'd be absolutely fine with it being. A, she gets to see him as a person while she is integrating the trail. Maybe that's kind of part of her journey. That, and then at the end of the series, like there is an emotional goodbye where, where yeah, he, he has to accept him as memories as opposed to a manifestation. That's what I'm thinking's going to happen. That I think would be beautiful. It, I, I'm good with that. Even though I can predict it, that I don't mind predicting. Yes, yeah, no, I, I'm happy. I'd be happy if that happens, but I think I'd feel really bad for Adira because it's a bit like Stamets. I feel a lot of affection for Adira already, and I don't want her to get heartbroken again. But we'll see. Anyway, we we need to wrap up, don't we? So um... there's one which I need to bring up. Though. Go on. Before we get the demotion uh, of Burnham, we have that wonderful meeting. They have to meet with Admiral Silver Daddy Bear, and he is not ha- happy. It's time to get a spanking, and I'm not complaining. He's going to into task. <laughs> Burnham, you naughty girl. No, Admiral Silver Daddy Bear. That's how I saw this way. You guys. No, I, I, yeah. I agree. I think it was that. <laughs> yeah, and... And, and he told us straight, your ship was about, fortunately, it didn't have, the Discovery didn't have to go, but your ship was poised to, and you knew this, poised to go into a very dangerous situation, and you left it to have to go without its first officer. Exactly. And the the good thing is, it doesn't go without repercussion. It's not just a slap on the wrist. It's, you yeah. are no longer my first officer. And... I like the fact that Saru acknowledges you showed ambivalence about it before, but I wanted to make it work. And Saru admits his mistakes. Like, maybe I should have taken this yeah. to the Admiral and maybe I should have done that. But she doesn't get yeah. off the hook. And as I say to me, but sh- that implies... She's not, she doesn't seem sorry about it either, what she's done. I think no, she does. I think she realises she's in the wrong. I don't think she's sorry in the sense... I think she thinks... She's done the right thing from her perspective now, but to me, as I say, I think this thing is realizing that I'm no longer that person. I'm no longer the Starfleet person, and her own agenda is more important to her. And I'm looking forward to exploring that. I just love the fact that there is such a lovely mutual between ASDB and Saru. Like (laughs) Animal Silver Daddy Bear, he makes it very clear that it's like. 
You should have brought it to me, but you are the captain. Yeah. And because there's life safety, I'm not going to be the one to fucking well. You know? Yeah, exactly. It actually needs to be taken against her. However, it, it basically says in that very tight way, this is what I mean. Like, this is very tight script as opposed to that standard. Because yeah. without saying it, they get to say that because of Saru's actions, good and bad, the animals decided to trust and keep him as part of Starfleet. And while they're doing that, that means he had a decision. All that's unspoken. Yeah. But it's there. And that's what I find so genius. I like writing this. I like writing it's clever than telling us. Yeah. Like, simplifying. There's part of this telling off, and she and she gets the telling off, and she goes, Can I, may I speak? And he, and he says, It may be the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And she good. tells her about the black boxes and all that, and the reason for doing it. And this takes me yeah. back to what I said at the start. Why didn't she say this at the beginning? Because last week she told them exactly what why it should be Discovery and that crew. Mm. So why the hell didn't she do that this week instead of waiting until she's in trouble and she's and already done the deed? It shows Saru also being part of that thing of family uh, yeah. discovery and he realises he should have family stuff. He was walking that line a bit. Generally kept on the right side of it, but he slipped a bit when he didn't take the animal, yeah. give the animal the truth on something this big. Like some things you can make a decision on. This, this is a bit above even yeah, that paper. Exactly. That goes down. But, um, so I just really loved it. Again, that's clever writing. I want more of that clever writing, less spelling out, you know, in so many yeah. words. No, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes with Michael now. I, I think I'm more optimistic than you guys are, but we'll see. Episode next week's called Unification 3, so that should be interesting. Um, I th- think we need to wrap up because we're on a, a time limit. Um, yeah, but, have we got any theories on Unification 3? Uh, I'm thinking there's going to be Vulcans and Romulans in it, <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. I, I yeah, wonder if it uh, brings Vulcan back in. That'd be interesting. We'll see. I mean, this is the Vulcan plotline scene. Yeah, it's got to be, but we'll we'll see. Um, so let us know what you think. We'll be back doing this next week. If you want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com, or you can come and join us on Facebook. We can have a chat. Let us know what you think. Um, but thanks for trekking with us this time, and we will see you next time on the Retrek. Bye-bye.